us. The king is here to tell us what we need to do. And by the message of the Lord, I bring you God's word as entitled, The King's Counsel, saying, Live my life. Praise the name of the Lord. I say, praise the name of the Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, my Lord, we thank you for your word that is about to come. I render myself, O oh Lord, unto you, that you will speak through me, O oh Lord, that in which you have for your people. We thank you because you are not just a child born in the manger. We thank you because you are king of all the earth. We thank you because you are the amazing counselor. Unto you alone shall we come for counsel. Father, Lord, we silence, O oh Lord, every voice of man that has spoken to us before now that we may hear in clarity that in which you have to say to us. Thank you, O Lord, because your word shall wrought its wonders, and we believe, and the church will say a wonderful amen. 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 All right, you may have your seats. Praise the name of the Lord. The king's counsel, the king is speaking at this point, and he's saying, live my life. Now we know that Jesus was born. He wasn't just born like, a, 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 like the son that we know in a manger. He was born and he became a king and his name, the Bible says, was supposed to be called Counselor. And last week, the senior pastor brought us a word that this man is our amazing counselor and wonderful word advisor. This morning, we're just going to look at what God or Jesus will be saying to us as a king on the throne. And by the message of the Lord, God will wrote his word for us in the name of Jesus now, in the beginning, when Jacob was blessing his children in Genesis 49, I think in verse 10, the Bible said when he came to one of the sons whose name was Judah, he prophesied to Judah and he said to Judah in Genesis, I think 49 verse 10, he said to Judah, the scepter shall not depart from you, Judah, neither shall the law give up between thy feet. And he said to Judah, until Shiloh comes, you shall reign. So for the child called Judah, it was prophesied that his lineage shall carry rulership. His lineage shall carry the royalty. So if you happen to be born in the lineage of Judah, you are likely going to be a king. So he said, for the scepter shall not depart from you, neither shall the Lord give up from between thy feet until Shiloh comes. And he then went ahead and said, and unto him shall the obedience of all the nations be. So in other words, I'm just going to use very few minutes to remind you that Jesus was truly born a king. In case you've forgotten. So for him to be called an amazing counselor is because rulership dwells within him. So to Judah, Jacob prophesied, the rulership shall not depart from you and you shall be king forever until Shiloh comes. Praise the Lord. Now, if you remember in Matthew chapter 2, I think verse 2, when the wise men went to see Jesus, the scripture says, and they went to meet Herod, which was, who was king at that time. And they said to Herod, we have come because we have heard that a king has been born. And there is a star that is leading us to this city that we may worship him. So when they were coming, they weren't coming just to visit any child. They were coming to visit a king. And that is why when they came, they came with gifts. Who remember the gift? The first was what? Gold. The second was what? And the third was what? And so because they brought three gifts, we are always tempted to say we had three wise men. Amen. 
But the Bible never told us we had three wise men. You can go back to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Nowhere in scripture was it written that there were three wise men. He called them wise men. Whether they were two, I cannot tell. Whether they were four, we cannot tell. But they brought gifts because they were coming to see a king. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Now, when Jesus was about to be crucified, when he was led to the man called Pilate, and Pilate asked him, he said, I have the power to free you. I have the power to release you because I'm the king of the land. And Jesus said to him, for you have no power. The life that I'm giving, I lay it down on my own accord. In John chapter 18, Jesus then said to him, Pilate then asked him, are you truly the king of the Jews? And Jesus' response was clear. He said, you have said right that I am king. And he said to him, in fact, for this reason I was born, that I may declare the truth. So Jesus wasn't hiding it at that point, that he was truly the king. Praise the Lord. Turn to someone and say, Jesus is king. Please remind two more people that Jesus is king. So when you go back to Proverbs chapter 8, which the senior pastor read last week, when he was now talking about a person of wisdom, he then said to him, I am wisdom and I am understanding by me king's rule. So if we have to have a king, then we must have a king that have wisdom and have what? Understanding. And Jesus himself was not void of that. In fact, as a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 2, the Bible says, at a tender age of about eight, he was teaching in the synagogue. So what it means, if this was church, Jesus was possibly being the one preaching. And the Bible says, and the child Jesus grew in wisdom, the child Jesus grew in understanding, the child Jesus grew in stature. So Jesus was not just a king, he was a king that had wisdom and a king that had understanding. Praise the Lord. And so we're going to see, if truly is a king, what could he be saying at this point? Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to match up Jesus with another king called Solomon. If he was really a king, let's look at his life and let's look at the life of Solomon. Now, sometimes back we taught in church, one of the things that um, shows the power of a kingdom is the wealth of that kingdom and the strength of the kingdom, its army. Now, the Bible does record that Solomon was a wealthy king. Do you know that? And he also does record that he was the wisest king that ever lived. Is that true? Now, the Bible makes us to understand that when Jesus was born, he was born in a what? In a manger. Is that right? Now, let's, let's come home now. If a king will actually have to be born, is it likely the king will be born in a manger or in a palace? Will it be likely the king will be born in a manger or in a palace? If Jesus was king, is it likely he's going to, he's supposed to be a very rich king or a poor king? Are kings usually poor? Are kings usually poor? Kings are never poor. Kings are always, always rich. So for Jesus to be born in a manger... It wasn't so far-fetched when some people were doubting if it was really the Messiah. Because they had expected a kingdom to come where the king would be born in the palace. Amen. Now, the Bible spoke about the wealth of Solomon. 
In Luke chapter 9, verse 58. Let me show you something. Luke 9:58. Multimedia, please help us. In Luke 9:58, Jesus said something. He said, Foxes have holes where they live. He said, Birds of the earth have nests where they live. But the Son of Man has nowhere, has nowhere to lay his head. Was he a king? He was a king, right? So Jesus was a king, yet he said he had nowhere to lay his head. But the scripture now describes the wealth of another king, Solomon, in 1 Kings chapter 10. The Bible says Solomon was so wise as a king, and he was so rich as a king, that one day a woman, a queen called Sheba, decided to visit him to see if of a truth the wealth and Solomon was really true. And the scripture says, and she went with a train of gifts to visit Solomon. And when she went to Solomon's court, the Bible says when she was walking down the court of Solomon, that the, the cutleries which the servants of Solomon were using to eat were all made of gold and none was made of silver. And he said, for all the questions she brought to Solomon, Solomon answered everyone, not remaining one. And so Solomon's splendor and, and wealth was displayed to her. And she came with gifts. The scripture described them as train of gifts. And because it was very important, if a king is visiting another king, there's something called a royal protocol or a royal courtesy. So you don't go to a king empty-handed. So Queen Sheba understood. And so she brought all the wealth she could imagine to Solomon. But when she went and walked through Solomon's court, the Bible makes us understand when she saw the beauty and the wealth in it, scripture describes in verse 5 that her spirit left her, praise the Lord, because she saw the wealth that Solomon had. Now look at the life of Solomon, but Jesus' case, the Bible says, for he had nowhere to even lay his head. Can you see the difference between those two kings? Could it not have been possible that Jesus would be born king and yet still die for the world? Couldn't have been possible. So I asked myself, why would Jesus be born a king and then live not like a king? There must be a reason. If he's a wise king, then there's a reason why he had to give up himself. He had to give up the royal pleasures so that he can live like somebody else, just like every other person. Solomon lived in splendor. Splendor that even everyone had to come visit him. And the Bible made us to understand that when Queen Sheba was living, Solomon gave her gift seven times what she brought to Solomon. So if Jesus was king and he could give up all those things, then it means there is something underneath that we do not, we do not understand. And this morning the Lord will reveal to us in the name of Jesus. And so we're going to look at four things that Jesus gave up just for us. And so as a king seated on the throne, he's giving us his own advice. And he's saying, this is my counsel to the church this morning. Live the life I did not live. He's saying, I was a king, but I gave up all so that we can live those lives. We're going to look at four of them, praise the Lord. As we go through these four, you're going to see what Jesus gave up so that we can be beneficiaries of it, praise the Lord. And so we're going to look at four. Number one, he gave up a wealthy life. Number two, we're going to look at the healthy life. We're going to look at the blessed life. And finally, we're going to look at the fulfilled life. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, let's look at verse 9. 
Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Multimedia, please help us. Now we're going to look at what Jesus gave up so that we can live his own life. Now he's telling us at this point, live my life. Forget about your own life, live my life. That's why Galatians 2 said, For the life I now live, it is no longer I that lives, but who? But Christ that lives in me. Second Corinthians 8 verse 9. Are you there? Now I read. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Though he was what? So you read in scripture when the Bible says the son of man had nowhere to live. It is not that he didn't have where to live. It is not that he couldn't have lived like Solomon. The Bible says you know the grace that was upon him. That he was born a king. And the Bible says that though he was what? He was rich. But yet for whose sake? For our sake. So if you go to the contemporary Bible or the root word of that, that became poor, he says, yet for our sake he became poor. The word became is not the same thing as he was rich, economy hit him and then he became poor. The root word of that became is he elected or he chose by himself to become poor. So he wasn't a foolish king living a lavish life so that you will come and live a poor life. So he gave up that glory so that for our own sake that we may take up that life. That's what the scripture says. He says, for he was poor, he became poor that who may be rich, that through his poverty what may happen, that through his poverty what may happen, that we might become what? Rich. So if Jesus was a king, and he gave up his royalty, he gave up his riches, he gave up all to become poor. He wasn't giving it because he chose to. He gave up for our own sake. So if Jesus is in heaven and he gave up all that so that we can be rich, let's just imagine Jesus at this point. And we are walking to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, things are not moving well. I am very poor. In fact, I have nowhere to put my head. Will he be happy with that? That is the life he gave up so that you can live his own life. And that is why today Jesus is giving us this simple counsel. This is what we're going to do. We're going to live the life he did not live, which he gave up for our own sake. Praise the name of the Lord. Give me verse 10. He says, for through his poverty you may become rich. Let's look at what he now said in verse 10. In verse 10 the Bible says, and this then is the advice I'm giving you. Can we see that? He said, this advice I give to you. I give you this advice for free. Jesus is speaking and he says, it is to your own advantage, not only to be doing what you began or were desiring to do a year ago. Next verse. He then said in verse 11, but now you must complete the doing of it. So this morning, anything your hands, our hands have found to do. God is telling us this morning, this is the advice. Keep doing what you are doing. Keep doing your best because you were born not a pauper. Jesus has taken over that which we had, which was poverty, and he has given us a life of riches, and that is what he expects us to do, and that life will live in the name of Jesus. I said that life will live in the name of Jesus. And that's why the scripture says in 3 John, it says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. If Jesus gave up that life, it is not it does us no good. It doesn't make him proud if you are living the same life. 
All we need to do first and foremost, we have it at the back of our mind that Jesus was king. He left those royalty so that we may live his life. And to the first person that say amen, you will live that life to the fullest in the name of Jesus. Before I go to the next one, let me show you something in Revelation chapter 2 verse 9. Revelation 2 verse 9. Because we may be saying to ourselves, if only you know what I've been going through. Revelation 2 verse 9, watch this carefully. He says, I know your works. And I know your what? Tribulations. Look, we have gone through 2019. We've done a lot of work that's enough to change our lives. But things may not just be working right. Jesus, is, the scripture is now saying, I know your works. I know what you are going through. I know the tribulations. But let's read what he says next. He says, I know your poverty. In bracket, what does he then say? But you are what? On our own, we are not rich. That is why 2 Corinthians says, For the life I now live, it is no longer what? I that live it, but who lives in me? Christ that lives in me. This morning I pray as the word of the Lord that God will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory in the name of Jesus. Number two, Christ gave up a healthy life that you may live one. Christ gave up a healthy life that you may live one. And so in the next year, Jesus is saying to you, this is my counsel for you. Go and live a new life. Go and live a healthy life. Let's look at that very quickly. In Matthew chapter 15, one of the scriptures I like. He says, for healing is the bread of the people. And the Bible tells us a story about a woman that brought her daughter who was demon possessed. And he said to Jesus, heal my daughter. And Jesus said to him, how shall I take the bread of the children and give it to the world, to the dogs? The bread of the children is the healing balm of the children. And that's why he said in Old Testament, healing is the bread of the people. So one of our advantages in Christ is that we have a life full of health. And the scripture made us to understand in John chapter, in John chapter 18 verse 36, when they took Jesus to Pilate, Pilate said to him, I have the power to release you. And Jesus said, you have no power to release me. And Jesus and Pilate decided to make the people happy. And in the next chapter, John chapter 19, Pilate decided to beat up Jesus or to put him through a scourge. When Jesus was in front of Pilate, it would have been easy for him to go to the cross all the way from there. But chapter 19 did not happen just for happening's sake. It happened because Jesus as a king could not live that life, but he went through one part of the torment that we may enjoy that life. And the Bible says in verse 19, they took him and they scourged him. If you ever happen to know what the word scourge in the Roman times means, it means to beat to death. It was possible they also beat you to death. So it wasn't whip, it wasn't koboko, it wasn't just cane. They were metal whips that were fashioned for that purpose. If you are with us during the movie on during Easter where we watched the Passion of the Christ, you could see how the foreskin were going off. Those beating weren't just for beating's sake. It was because he was, he was going through that so that a time will come where we can reference the scourge at his back. So Jesus gave up a life of health so that we can live one. So why do you think we have stripes all over his back? 
Why would you think a king will come to the world and go through the beating of a thief? It's for our sake. He says, for thy sake he took up poverty. For our sake he took up the scourge. Let's quickly read 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24. If you had gone through all that. So 1 Peter 2 verse 24 now reminds us. He says, for this king Jesus that was born, he bore our sins on the cross, on his body on the cross. That we, having died to sin, might become the righteousness. Read the next line. By his stripes we are what? We are healed. This is a king that never lived that life. But he says, I'm giving up that life. I'm using the stripes of my body so that we can live a life of health. And that shall be the testimony of somebody in the name of Jesus. So Jesus counseled to us this morning. Kings don't suffer through that way. Kings don't go through such a beating. As a matter of fact, if you have a general and you have to arrest a general, I understand anyone going to arrest a general will first give a what? A salute. And then arrest the general. That is the least Jesus will have gone through. But as a king, he went through the torment of a thief. And the Bible says he went through the shameful death, even the shameful death of the cross, that we may be saved. And by his stripes, we are what? We are healed. And so we pray this morning to everyone going through one infirmity or the other. By this reason of Jesus' counsel, our prayer is that you will receive the healing balm of Biliad in the name of Jesus. That by the stripes and the healing power on that stripe, for the life that Jesus gave up so that we may enjoy a healing and a healthy life, that life shall be a portion in the name of Jesus. Number three, Jesus gave up the life of a king so that we can be blessed. Praise the Lord. Galatians 3 verse 10, one of the scriptures I, one of the scriptures that brings or reminds us of what we are in the old. He says, for cost is anyone, cost is he who is under the law. So remember, the Bible says, whoever is born of the world is born into sin. And anyone born into sin is born into a cost. So, but Jesus, the, the scripture then says in Galatians 3 verse 13. Let's look at verse 13. Verse 13 then says, For Christ has redeemed us from the what? From the cause of the law, having become a what? A cause for who? Having become a cause for who? For us. So was he originally caused? No, he wasn't. Who was originally caused? You and I were the cause. But as a king, he wasn't born caused. He was born as a blessed king. But the Bible says he became a cause for us. Why? For it is written, Cursed is anyone who hangs upon the tree. Next verse. Why did he have to become a curse? Verse 14. That the blessing of who? Abraham might, but might come upon you and I. So as a king, Jesus wasn't born a curse. But he took up our curse. He took up our shame. He took us our infirmities that we may become blessed and our prayer is everyone who have anything has to do with a cost generation receive blessing in the name of jesus i said receive blessing in the name of jesus and that's why ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 reminds us it says blessed be the father our god who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in christ jesus as we continue to walk in his precepts, as we continue to come to him 
as a king, the counsel is giving us and reminding us is that we are blessed for good. Turn to three people and tell them you are blessed. Turn to three people and tell them you are blessed. Number four, we're going to go to the last one now. The very last one says, He came and He gave up all those so that we may become fulfilled in life. Every king that is born was never born to live a short life. But Jesus Himself, the Bible says, He lived 33 years only. Solomon never lived 33 years. He lived so long. And as a matter of fact, the scripture records that before his death, his tomb was already prepared. And when he died, the Bible made us understand that he was laid with his fathers. Where kings were buried was the exact place where David was buried and the same place Solomon was buried. But if Jesus would die without a tomb prepared for him, yet he was a king, his death wouldn't have been wouldn't, wouldn't make any sense to him if we continue to live with the knowledge that we are not we are not expected to live a fulfilled life the bible made us to understand job chapter 14 verse 1 this is how job 14 verse 1 describes an ideal life he says for every man that is born born of a woman is entitled to only few days and those few days are supposed to be days of trouble but God came, Jesus came, born as a king, left up all those royalty and lived that short life so that we ourselves can enjoy life. And so he's coming to remind us and give us a counsel and say, you are expected to live life to the fullest. The life I couldn't live or I decided not to live as a king, he's charging us this morning. Go and live a very fulfilled life. It is your property. It is your right in God. It is your stay in God. It is not a privilege that you are living beyond 60. It is our stay in God. That is why Jesus died. He says, for this reason I came and I died, that ye may have life and have it what? More abundantly. Did he say you should live 33 years? Did Jesus say live 50 years? He says, I gave up that life that you may live longer. And so he's charging us this morning. I was a king, I couldn't live that long. Because I came for a purpose. But I'm charging you this morning, live the life that I did not live. This is the counsel of the Lord. This is God's wisdom. And he's saying, live my life and live that life to the fullest. That will be your portion in Jesus' name. Now let me show you something. Let me show you something that, that, that Jesus did by himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. I'm going to read this. I'm going to lay an analogy. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. The Bible says, and he died for all. That those who live, that those who live should no longer live for what? For themselves, but live for who? For him who died. Now, who died? King Jesus died. He says, don't live for yourself. If you feel you have an issue living 100 years, don't think about yourself. He said, live for me. I was supposed to live that long. But I gave up that. Even if you are falling sick and the sickness is looking as if it's not going to make you live long. Don't have that at the back of your mind. Jesus is saying, I gave up a life so that you can live my own. If he was really a king, how long would you think he would live? If he was a king that would live his fullness of life as King Jesus, do you think he would die at 33? 
he will not die at 33. And so he said, go and enjoy the life that I couldn't live. And so he said, for I died that you may live. Let me draw an analogy quickly and I'll close. If you have a shepherd and the shepherd have hundred sheep. Now don't bring spirituality here. I just want to paint a very realistic picture. So the shepherd have hundred sheep. And on the mountain, the shepherd discovered that a bear is coming or a fox or an animal to eat up the sheep. And so this shepherd decided to take the, the, the sheep to safety. And as he was doing that, you know how sheep do. One or two will stray. And the bear is about to catch up with the sheep. Now let me ask you a very realistic question. Which one will be wiser? If you let the three go and I save the remaining 97, if I try to go to save those other ones, the bear will kill the shepherd. Is that correct? The shepherd has family, remember? So if he kills the shepherd, and the shepherd and the sheep will become what? Without shepherd. So which one is wiser? If I take the 97 to safety, or another shepherd that decides to say to himself, no, I'm not going to let this bear eat any of my sheep. So I'm going to let him kill me. So if he kills the shepherd, who will take care of the sheep? The bear will be alive, right? And when he's tired and he's full, he will come back for the what? For the other ones, praise the Lord. So which one will be a wiser decision? For me to save the 97 and save my life or give myself up to the rest of the, to the sheep? Which one is a wiser decision? Don't bring spirituality. Which one is wiser? Option A or option B? Option A, save my life. Option B, give up my life. In fact, as I was saving them, three of them were, six of them were even pregnant and they are giving birth tomorrow. Will I die for the remaining three? So which one is a wiser decision? Save. I know we like our lives very well. So which one is a better decision to save the life, right? Now, realistically, that is a wise thing to do. You can't die for sheep that you know you have 97 that can give birth to another set of sheep. Praise the Lord. But let's quickly look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10 verse 11. John 10, 11. I need you to read this with me. John 10, 11, what does it say? Jesus is the one speaking. Let me just tell you now. Jesus is speaking. King Jesus is speaking. What does he say? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd does what? So the good shepherd does what? Gives his life to the sheep. But we say the wise thing to do will have been what? To save our own life. So are we saying that what Jesus did was not wise? Are we saying what Jesus did was not wise? In fact, in verse 15, he says, The Father knows me, and I know the Father. And he says, For I laid down my life for the sheep. So we chose option A. Jesus chose option B. Now, don't get it mixed up. You are absolutely correct. Because what we are discussing is not the world matter. We are discussing kingdom matters. So we have just risen like normal people. And in business, in everyday life, it will have been the wise thing to do. But remember, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.27, it says, For God himself uses the foolish things of the world to do what? So he uses the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. 
So what Jesus was saying, if you try that at home, you will lose a lot. But you need to understand the spiritual undertone of why he did what he did. Remember, he's a wise king. He can only do what is right. Praise the Lord. Now, let me show you exactly what happened when Jesus gave up his life for you. Revelation chapter 5 verse 5. We're going to start with that. Now, remember, if Jesus actually gave his life for us, he expects us to live his own life. Is that correct? So the Bible describes, Revelation 5 verse 5, he says, John was speaking, he says, for I stood in between, it was a revelation, I said, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep. This was when he had a revelation of the scroll. And he said, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll. I asked you a question. Who was he referring to? Jesus. Is that correct? So he describes Jesus as a what? As a lion of the tribe of what? Of Judah. So if Jesus is a shepherd over us and he calls us the sheep of his pasture. So we were the sheep Jesus was protecting. I remember he says he gave up himself. So he laid down himself for the bear. It's not as if the bear had power over him. But he described himself as a shepherd and as the lion of the tribe of what? Of Judah. If the lion really is the king, which Jesus signifies himself. Now in the next verse, I want you to look at it. He says, when the lion of the tribe of Judah had prevailed and opened the scroll. He says, John speaking, says, and behold, I looked. And in the midst of the throne, there were four living creatures. And in the midst, there were elders. And it says, and there stood a lamb as though he was slain. If you remember in Isaiah, when Jesus' death was prophesied, he says he will come like a sheep to be slaughtered and he shall say no word. So if he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, before the scroll was opened, the Bible says, we that were sheep." He took up our nature as a sheep. And so he laid down his life as a what? As a sheep. Did he die as a lion? No, he did not. He laid down his life as the, as the sheep, which was our own original nature. So that we may take up his own nature as the lion. So he's not dying for sheep to become sheep without shepherd. He's dying for sheep so that you can take up the, shepherd, the, the lion nature in him. So it was not about Jesus dying as a sheep and living sheep without shepherds. He was him saying, I'm going to lay down this life. I'm going to take your own nature as a sheep Originally, I am a lion. Lions don't die for bears. So, but I'm giving up my own life that you can live in authority, live in the knowledge that you are not supposed to live a very short life. And so he's saying, go live that fulfilled life. I was the lion of the tribe of Judah. I died like a sheep, which was your place. And so he's reminding us that we need and ought to live like the lion in which he has instilled to us. And so we are bound to live a fulfilled life. Everyone here in the name of Jesus. And so you understand better when the scripture says in John chapter 10 verse 10 as we close. It says, for the thief cometh not but to steal to kill and to do what? And to destroy. But he said, but I had come 
that you may have what? Life. And have it what? More what? Abundantly. If that is your testimony, why don't you say it louder? Amen. So the King Jesus this morning is charging us. I gave up so many things. I would have been king like Solomon. I would have lived in palace. I would have had servants all around. In fact, as a matter of fact, when they wanted to arrest him, he said, you come to me for I can pray the father and he will send 12 legions of angels to release me. But he said, I gave up all that so that you can live my own life. If he couldn't live a healthy life and gave up stripes, I charge you this morning that by his stripes you are healed and nothing will happen to anyone in the name of Jesus. And he gave up all those lives. He became a cause for us so that we may be blessed. No matter the generations of family we came from, it is not in our DNA that we are caused. Because Jesus took up the cause for us that we may be blessed. So you are a new creature in Christ and all things are passed away in the name of Jesus. And so, as we go on this evening, this morning, we must remember, remind ourselves that we are living the life of Christ, the life he couldn't live. And that life is a life of abundance. That life is a blessed life. That life is a life full of riches. That life is a healthy life. And that life is a wealthy life. If that is your testimony, why don't you shout a louder amen? amen. King Jesus, his counsel to us is live his life. This morning, I want you to bow your head. Perhaps you are here, you are not feeling well in your body. And you are saying to yourself, how can I go through all this? Jesus is reminding us, I lived, I was entitled to a healthy life, but I gave up all that so that you can live as one. Just begin to prophesy to yourself and say to the Lord, I am, it is my right to live a healthy life. He said, for I have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Maybe in a family, people don't live beyond 60 or 50 or a particular age. But Jesus is reminding us, live my life. I gave up my life as a sheep. I gave up my life as a lion so that I can take up yours. And so he's reminding us, as a counsel of God, you are not permitted to live a short life. He says, this is a life you shall live. You shall live a life in abundance and that shall be a portion in the name of Jesus. And so Lord in heaven, we thank you for your word. We ask, so God, as we have come, O oh God, to the innerable measurement of angels... We ask, O oh God, to the assembly of the saints of the Lord. We ask that every life that you gave up to us, whether we pray and we ask, O oh God, that you shall grant us grace to live them to the fullest in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray for everyone that is sick in the body. We pray by Jesus' stripe. We proclaim healing in the name of Jesus. And for everyone struggling in the finances and all, we pray, O oh Lord, and we ask, O oh God, as you gave up the wealth of heaven, as you gave up the wealth of the world for us, Father, we pray and we ask that we shall accomplish that which you gave up for our sake in the name of Jesus. For this reason it came, that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And so we declare that life is our portion in the name of Jesus. Long life is our portion in the name of Jesus. And a fulfilled life is our portion in the name of Jesus. If that is your testimony, why don't you shout it louder, amen. And, and celebrate the Lord God in the fullness of his measures. The name of the Lord be praised. Amen. Alright, at this point, we're going to take
tithes and first fruits. If you do have your tithe and your first fruits, please come with the understanding.